Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. And everyone is listening, even me. It's time for our near award-winning <laughs> segment, What Mark Heard, with Mark Grody. I was probably answering one of the many texts from Spilkis and you just, you know, and the program director and the, and the Uber mocker texts you. You have to keep responding, and it just goes on and on and on. Well, you know that. You're I've been, Steve, I, I've been guilty so of doing... I apologize. No, 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 no need to apologize. I just think it's fun, because I've been called out for doing that. The last time I worked with Molly, I think... Molly asked a question to a guest, and then I asked the same question afterwards. He's like, "What are you doing?" Um, so and we had a good we had a good chuckle over it. So I have been there. I just want like I feel better when other people do it. So you did it, and it's okay. And I'm glad that you're dealing with Mitch, and I don't have to. So there we go. <laughs> thank you, Steve. I owe That's you right. an apology. I owe you an apology right. and a thank you. I deal with Spilka, yeah. so you don't have to. Yes. It makes me an American hero. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. All right. This is our. Our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard. So let's roll, baby. Let's do it. Um, Olin Krutz was on the score yesterday with Danny and Matt. Parkins and uh, Spiegel is the name of the show. And uh, I, I, thought was, I thought it was a great question to ask Olin Krutz. What is it that Justin Fields is responsible for in terms of the Bears' offense being not good? Uh, he's not really. It's not really disappointing. I, I'm just watching a young quarterback grow, right? And he dropped in the draft. We knew watching him at Ohio State that he held on to the ball. So I'm not disappointed. I'm just waiting for him to stop, to come out of that, to learn uh, that the ball has to come out quicker. Even on RPOs, uh, he doesn't get the ball out faster, but I mean run pass options where the line can be down the field. He's got to have a little more urgency when he hits his back step and get the ball out. You know, he did improve. He was dropping too deep in the pocket. Uh, and he did improve. He started stepping up there. So I, I did. I have seen him read blitzes. But but the thing that he's struggling with, guys, that's why you know Wilson went before him. That's why Lance went before him. You you have to know that this is what he was going to struggle with. And if you are up there at Hallis Hall, if you're the general manager and you look at the owner and Ted Phillips and George McCaskey say we're going to take this guy, but this is what he needs to improve on. We're going to trade up and get him. But we have to coach him on the fact that. The ball has to come out sooner in the NFL, that he has to process information sooner. He does hold on to the ball a little bit in that pocket. So that that is not shocking me at all. So I can't say I'm disappointed in that. All I will say is I'm waiting for him to get better at it. 
So I guess that's not surprising, but very honest. Steve, what do you think about that? I do think that's um, a legit criticism, and I'm 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 with Owen. I, I I've often sided with Justin Fields holding on to the ball because he thinks check down or touchdown to check down. Yep. And that's what Matt Nagy's always talking about. So Matt Nagy seems to be, you know, hypocritical. He seems to be double talking of, well, we want him to think touchdown, but we want him to get rid of the ball. Well, you're really not going to do that. I, I just, it, it doesn't work. So you, so I like Justin Fields' instincts, but the we are seeing at least one scouting report come true. Unfortunately, Dane Brugler. Uh, was writing about him in the athletic and and uh, and I saved it because I wanted to see just how what transferred and what was progress right isn't that what Olin was talking about yep. progress mm-hmm. okay undeveloped field divi- the, this is the weakness undeveloped field vision locks onto his preferred read and doesn't consistently find his second and third options sometimes by design needs to be quicker eliminating things post snap. Mm. Needs to be better taking what the defense gives him instead of forcing throws. His passes lose life when attempting to throw off balance. Well, who's done? You know, <laughs> ball security needs work. And that's another part of it. He fumbled a lot. So we're, we're seeing that play out. And the being able to read defenses, which is post-snap and have it process quicker. That's what we're seeing, and yep. you saw that with Mitch Trubisky. This has a this has a bit of Trubisky stench to it, and it was what I said when they drafted him. We did a show, and I said, whatever Justin Fields brings, all the the advantages, everything that looks like an NFL quarterback, he has the stink of being chosen by Ryan Pace, who hasn't been right about a quarterback yet, and and I I I. No, there's nothing really material. There's not a, there's not anything scientific about it. But Ryan Pace's history is he doesn't know anything about drafting a quarterback. And there may be a reason this guy fell in the draft. There may be a reason he was the fourth of five quarterbacks taken. And I keep coming back to that. And I, I want to not come back to that. I want to see progress. I'm with Olin. And I, with a team that sort of feels like it has to make the playoffs, but maybe not, I, what's that prism like? What do you? How do you look at it, Mark? How do you see that with waiting for progress, but seeing an NFC that is, you know, you can get a, another one of the mercy playoff spots the way you have the last couple of years with a bad team. Yeah, I mean they're going to keep on. You know, if if he wasn't benched in the the Green Bay game or after the Cleveland game, then it's just. It's it's not going to happen, uh, or the Tampa Bay game, I should say. I'm, I'm already yeah. forgetting. I've already put that out of my brain. Um, if it wasn't going to happen in the second half of the Tampa Bay game, th- they are sticking with what they said that they are going to. Pl- He's the starting quarterback through the good and the bad, and obviously things change if there is to be uh, an injury. What he is lacking is, and I guess yeah. this falls under the category of you know reading defenses. He has a lack of awareness. The presence of mind is not there when Antoine Winfield viciously is. Bl- I mean, 
quarterbacks are going to get sacked and especially blindsided and you know safety blitzes can be tricky as can any dialed up linebacker blitz or what have you but the good the good season quarterbacks recognize those things more times than not and the bears simply as a collective did not here here's what it is before we get on to the next cut it's going to be he's going to be truly evaluated like i don't think i understand what you're saying about ryan pace's uh, history with quarterbacks i do think that justin fields is still going to be really good and i think that he is going we're going to see it in train from the beginning of training camp next year yeah i'm sorry bears fans you're shaking your head in your car right now like wait till next year but 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 that's when he seriously that's when he truly takes over the team from day one of training camp next year when andy dalton is not there when nick Foles is not there and he is the quarterback the guy period end of sentence so that's what you have to wait for and in the meantime i think these are fair critiques of a guy who i think that a lot of people thought and i think we all had that weird hope that there would be magic when justin fields stepped on the field and and he would just he would be that rookie quarterback that was going to take the bear and now everybody kind of has to fall back in line and wait and see in the meantime we try to come up with intelligent critiques of the quarterback and not just bash everybody else on the offense because there is culpability with the quarterback too Right, it is a group. It's a group effort. We talked about that: rookie right tackle, rookie running back, rookie quarterback, and and there's sometimes these, they're not even shouldn't even be called sacks. They should be called, be called baggies because there's no there's no resistance. Yeah, it's just a straight line to hurt baggies. the quarterback. And, Ziplocks. And in two, yeah, in yeah, in like two that? seconds, yep. and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's part of it, and maybe that's a barometer that to be used. There are a lot of ways you can look at whatever Justin Pace's progress will be. One of them is. Are there fewer blatant breakdowns where he doesn't recognize, doesn't sense pressure, doesn't recognize the defense, and nobody has clean shots at him? I would think that would be progress, that he's figured something out about reading defenses, changing protections, knowing where the hot read is. And and if there are fewer baggies instead of sacks that that guys actually have to fight through, that there's resistance, that the Bears are, are putting up an effort to prevent... Then I think we'll talk about we'll talk about progress. That's one way to look at it. I think it's one way to look at it because it'll keep them safer. I do. All right, now check out. Let's let's listen to Justin Fields now on how he, as a rookie quarterback, is evaluating himself out there. I mean, of course, things that I haven't learned yet or experienced yet. Then yeah, I can give myself a break. But plays that I know I'm supposed to make a play on or throws I know I'm supposed to make or protections where I know I'm supposed to go with, like stuff that I know I can do, that's the stuff that frustrates me that when I necessarily don't get it done. Of course, I'm not oblivious to the fact that I'm a rookie, that I have a lot to learn, but still at the same time, I think I'm talented enough and smart enough to be able to make, you know, right decisions on the field and uh, be successful on the field. Is there a a play that jumps out from Sunday that that is still driving you crazy a little bit? No. (laughs) He has forgotten it all. He has put it away. And he is ready to move on to the next. I mean, I've always like his press conferences are very interesting now because there's a little bit of edge to him, but it's, I think it's a good edge. And he is he was more full of substance, I thought, this week, even though he's kind of short with the reporters this week than he has been. He's mad, you know. He he is not used to struggling himself or having an offense that struggles. So he's pissed, and he wants to earnestly do better. And he knows that there's things that he's missed. 
That was Patrick Finley asking that follow-up question, right? Patrick yeah, Finley fair question Times, by right? Pat. And, Great dude. Yep. Oh, it's a good question because what was going through my mind was was asking you what are those plays that he feels he should not be regressing in but is compared – and obviously he doesn't know the unknown unknowns and whatever he doesn't know, but the idea of what are the plays that he feels he should never – be in a position to fail again. I wonder what those are. Do you have an idea? Do you have thoughts on those? Well, what, we, what he, what, where his regrets are or his know, frustrations are? I mean, I think that we know that he likes RPOs. He does like rolling out of the pocket. So I think on those plays, he demands of himself that he, because there is a decision to be made on those, that he demands of himself that he gets those decisions right. So we, you know, we don't know exactly. What it is specifically that he has um, forgotten about Ooh. and put out of his brain, <laughs> but we know what he likes to do best, and you mentioned it already, Steve, and that is to throw the ball downfield to mm. take you know all that time that he gets criticized for taking. He wants he wants the home run play. So if he misses on those plays, I think that that gets to him probably more than anything because I think he thinks that those are the things that he does well because we saw him do those things well at Ohio State. Your guy, your guy Wani, had, been, had talked several times on, on this station, um, both with Mully and Haw and with Parkins and Spiegel, and he had said something he had often said. He, re, he keeps repeating it, and it's not about waiting for the – one thing is waiting for the Justin Fields run plays, the, the design quarterback runs. But the other thing is this – that he made sure that whatever their offense, whenever it was constipated, they threw deep, and he wanted it three times a quarter. That's the way he wanted it. He, he needed to have that to just show the other team that it's there. And I haven't heard him comment whether what they're doing is enough or just right and they haven't gotten it right or they're you know he's looking at the wrong guy when he does that. Do you have – do you have – have you heard anything from your guy, Wani? Because I do think it's a good – I like the policy. I like the baseline of we need to throw deep three times a quarter because that's what loosens up the defense and that make, that opens up everything else. And Justin Fields wants to do it seemingly more than three times. Mm-hmm. And maybe – has Wani said what he – has he thought it's too much, it's too little, it's disjointed? Have you heard him say anything? I have not heard Wani say that. Um, I, hear, I did hear okay. Wani say something – Interesting, though. Um, at first, wait. Let me let me address the the downfield passing, though, real quick. It just in okay. the spirit of what you just asked. So the 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 thing with Allen Robinson, the the chemistry with Allen Robinson and Justin Fields just hasn't been there yet, and you know that that's part of the downfield. I mean, it can't just be like if defenses take away Darnell Mooney downfield then you're screwed. It can't be like that, and it's kind of been like that because they're, they're not clicking Allen Robinson and Justin Fields to the degree that you would like to see them click. And I, and I talked about this yesterday with Lawrence, that part of it is is that Allen Robinson has made a career of being open when it doesn't necessarily look like he's open. And all, all of the Bears quarterbacks that he has dealt with, whether it's Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or Andy Dalton or whomever – They've all they've all figured it out. They've all figured it out that you can throw to Allen Robinson in certain spots, and for whatever reason, Justin Fields has not yet figured that out with him. Even in Jacksonville, he was able to 
do that with Blake Bortles. So it it they have they don't have it yet. And Fields did address that. He talked about Allen Robinson and where the chemistry is and what they're doing about it. Um, I don't think it's taking a talk- while. I think we're. I mean, we have solid chemistry. We just, of course, need to get better at slap. You know, the best in the country, of course. But I mean, we're growing each and every day. So me, him, and some other receivers are going to start meeting on Zoom by ourselves and kind of start getting our own thing together. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, it's going to come with time. It's, it's that simple. Uh, Justin, you were just talking about uh, having these meetings with receivers on Zoom. I'm just wondering who set those up and uh, how often are you planning on doing those? Uh, as much as we need to. And uh, we just talked about it collectively as a group. So uh, just as much as we need to and um, as much as we feel like we you know, need to you know, get our own, maybe – uh, changing the routes on certain plays and stuff like that, just so just as as much as needed. So that that's all good. I'm glad they're doing it, but they are also, you know, they're admitting that there is an issue, Steve. Yeah, they need to stay after school and do all that from <laughs> on the field. They need to go to the playground and do there because it doesn't happen on Zoom. It happens on the field. It happens in practice. It happens with repetition. But um, it's a detention. I I just I, I just. I, I think the you know the the fact that the coaches don't know whether they have twelve men on the field or not. They've given Justin Fields is a guy who seems to be quite coachable to the point where he he's making trying to make the right play based on the wrong information Bears coaches have yelled into his head. Twelve men on the field, and you know Allen Robinson, you know he fell on one of the plays, and the other one it was they didn't have to, in the neither time they had twelve men on the field. It's really it's really a bad look and that's bad coaching. That's, that's, I, I know what they want him to do. I, I know that you want to be able to take advantage of it. And his instincts were, Hey, we got a free play. I'm going deep. That's for sure. So I, I don't, <clears throat> I, I put that on, on the coaches at the end. And it was bad luck. He was, there was footing was pretty bad last week, right? That was, that was tough going. There were some, it wasn't, it wasn't the guys didn't have the right spikes in it seemed like. Right? Weren't there guys falling down? Allen Robinson being one of them? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I was not in Tampa. Um, I, I thought it was the, the, the Bears-Packers game at Soldier Field where the where you had the free, the free play, the famous free play, and Allen Robinson had, had, had veered left and stopped short of the end zone, and Justin yeah. Fields threw it into the back of the end zone. Actually, twice. There was, then there was the other play where again he throws to the end zone Allen Robinson is just short of it and it was the Adrian Amos interception and then it was reversed so it's you know these scramble drills too that is something that they're having to tighten up as well because if he if Justin Fields is going to be elusive and uses athleticism which everybody hopes he does then that that puts everybody on alert the receivers the assignments become different for the offensive line, and that is something that I just another thing that that needs to be worked on for the sake of Justin Fields and and adapting to the type of quarterback that he's going to be. We also talked about the fact Justin Fields is one of the things that a rookie quarterback has to go through is what does an open receiver look like in the NFL? Correct, and it doesn't look open. Right, and that's that's exactly what happens. He doesn't look open, and it was always open. At, at Ohio State, and it's not open mm-hmm. in the NFL, exactly. but yet the guy's open. And Bingo. you had a guy who was one of the best receivers in, in what is regarded as contested catches, and you throw it. You know what? There's some, you know, we used to kind of chuckle at Jay Cutler saying, well, 
Brandon Marshall's down there, throw it up and let him go up and get it. Right. And that's it. But that's yep. that's what you do with Allen Robinson. You throw it, he goes up and gets it because that's what he does because that's what the NFL is all about. Exactly. And and, and you never know when Devin Aroma should do a walk through that door. So <laughs> we need a tall guy. Through that door, I need a tall yeah, guy, Jay talking. Cutler. I need to go up and get a guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Devin Aroma so, should do the great hope for men boy, over 6'2". Look at that. You're playing the Devin Aroma should do card. Look at that. On that note, we'll let the audience bathe in that. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of what Mark heard. Good. The, the, this is our Devin Aroma should, Devin Aroma should do moment of happiness. Would you read the, top, the, the text on the top of the screen to everybody really quickly, please, before we take the break? 312, Grody seems to be lapsing into his less impression unconsciously. KMA. KMA. <laughs> We're WSCR, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Welcome in, welcome back. We are continuing our near award winning segment called What Mark Heard. Starring Mark Grody. Thank you. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We are right here on The Score. It's part of Saturday Suckage. We thank you for joining us. We thank you for commenting on it, on uh, what Mark sounds like, lapsing into less impressions unconsciously. And it struck me that we should start radio station KMA. Radio Free <laughs> KMA. WKM, I, I was the original host at WKMA. Anyway. Well, if we're west of the Mississippi, it could just be KMA. KMA. they all start with K's. That's yeah, right. KMA. That's right. I KMA think. Radio. Yeah. So our guy, right. Dave Wanstead, said this oh. week, oh, he said this oh, week. he's got a spot. Yeah. That he thinks that this game. Tomorrow, Bears in San Francisco is crucial for the locker room. As in, if the Bears lose, they fall to three and five, and it's possible that the Bears could start to quote unquote lose guys, as in veterans making business decisions as opposed to going all out. If there is a helpless feeling, the human nature in the NFL, its guys tend to protect themselves. So, Olin Krutz, this question or this thesis was taken to Olin Krutz, and here's how Krutz responded to what Wani said. You know, you start to lose a lot of games, and, and, and guys uh, start to go in different directions. They start to worry about what's best for them, uh, them and their career. So, uh, that could happen, obviously, if these if these losses start to pile up here. Uh, we all know this Bears schedule is not an easy one <laughs> coming up for the Chicago Bears. And, um, you know, the players on the team know that also. So, in short, the, uh, Coach Wanstead obviously would know, uh, you know, being the head coach of the Bears and the Miami Dolphins and then going to, obviously, on to the University of Pittsburgh. But uh, he would know that that stuff does happen. And I have been on teams where that stuff has happened, too. So, uh, trying to keep everybody moving in the right direction is obviously really hard when you start losing games. Ooh. Wow. Stevie? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, um, I, I expected a stronger answer from Olin. I know he said he was part of a locker room where it did happen. 
he didn't want to agree with Wani about the importance of the game. The 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 a flashpoint if the Bears lose this game. And a guy who's been in this locker room, I mean both they both have their perspectives are are valued. Wani's looking at it as a coach who has seen locker rooms be united and fractured. And Olin has been part of that as well. He has run those locker right. rooms. He's been that guy. And I wonder if that, he could see it happening, but he refuses to admit it. He's that that focused. And, <clears throat> and for all of his normal candor, uh, I found that interesting that he wouldn't, he didn't put the same emphasis. What do you make of that? So in a, in a he didn't put the same emphasis in a same in a seventeen game season, three and five. I would not have thought about losing the locker room at that point. Like I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little more surprised that Dave Wansa would say that at three and five. And I guess that suggests that he has had that happen to him in one of his many coaching endeavors along the way. But again, in a seventeen game season, like I could see it at like three and seven or three and eight, but two games under five hundred when you would still be still be as dejecting as it would be to lose tomorrow, you'd still be in a spot to potentially get into the playoffs as the season went on. I don't think that's the point at which you lose a locker room. That's what I think. I don't know. Every locker room is different. The personalities are different. And they, I, Wani made the point about business decisions. And be, you, you see it on the field, and you would see it in preparation, and you would um, be hard-pressed to have teammates call out teammates about guys making business decisions, but they know it inside. And I don't, I don't consider myself having a good pulse on that. I, but I found it interesting that, that Olin wouldn't go there and Wani did. Yeah, and, and I can't quite go and, there either, although it's, again, and I know we've said this a billion times as reporters, we're not in the locker room, so we don't have a total and complete feel of what the players are like as a collective. And even then, even even being in the locker room, you don't always get a taste of it. We'll see how they play. You know what I mean? Like, if, if they do lose this game, it's all going to be what, what their play is like on the field. But we see players making business decisions and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it, from the three one two, this is interesting. Come on, the locker room has been lost for three years. Watching all the lack of O line nonsense, the ridiculous play calling, etc. And I, I don't know if that texture is referring to losing the defense because there is a real dejection that goes on with a defense when the offense is not doing its job, or it can be reversed with some organizations: offense good, defense bad. So. I don't. I haven't. I've have not felt that, but who knows? I mean, it still feels like these guys, for the most part, support Matt Nagy. There are going to be guys that don't like the boss. That's just the way it works. But for the most part, it seems like they still dig Nagy. Well, they they did rally after the six game losing streak, and the Bears management hung all of its all of its twenty twenty one season on that the collaboration and. And kumbaya. And speaking of the kumbaya, Matt Nagy's odd, weird, incomprehensible statement after they just got kicked in the rocks by Tampa Bay. And he's talking about, I know this, the team's never been closer in the last 24 hours or whatever that nonsense was. Remember, that's what he yeah. said after the game. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Volunteered it in the post game. And He's talking about how close they are. And he was talking about what 
he, he then later explained in the week that it was going back to Saturday night's meeting. That was the, right. The meetings up Saturday night before the game, right? Correct. So this feeling of group hug, the love, the kumbaya, we're so tight. No one's going to break us up. That they chose to receive the kick. They gave up a sack. They went three and out. Their special teams sucked on a punt return. Their defense sucked on pass interference. Their run defense sucked when they gave up a long run, and then they gave up a TD, and that started their the worst loss in Nagy's reign, which has had quite a few, been a reign of error in a lot of ways. The idea that he said that, it's like he almost trying to get ahead of something, and he sounded dumber for saying that, and dumber still in the wake of what happened that they, his team wasn't ready to play a game. His offense wasn't ready. His special teams weren't ready. Chris Tabor's special teams weren't ready. And his defense wasn't ready. And how could you not be ready for the best, arguably the greatest quarterback in history? Didn't that strike? I mean, that's Oh, yeah, it was, it was, very, it was very odd. And it, it, of course, protected the players, but it doesn't. it's the wrong message to the fans to, to lose 38-3. to three. Oh, And then to come out and tell the Bears fans who are all listening and, and wanting to know a little explanation for what the hell – just happened, and he's telling everybody that the team is closer than ever. Now, his defense was that the question that came in had something to do with losing the locker room or losing his team in a game like this. So he said it, that he needed to say how close they were in regards to that. But unfortunately, yeah, you have to – guess what? you got to come out and say that that game sucked, and it was just no good, and there's no excuse for that. Uh, the offense was bad. The defense was bad. I was bad. Like, that. that's the message that, you know, quite frankly, the team needs too – not just and because and, the players know, mm-hmm. you know, he's pandering to the players. They know it sucked and they know it was bad. They don't. They they're they're grown men. They don't need to hear about how close they became on Saturday night. They need to know that that what just happened was was is not excusable in a Chicago Bears uniform, and it can never happen again. And if it does, people are going to be sitting down on the bench. That's 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 the <laughs> right sure message. I, but I'm laughing. I you're right. That is the right message, and I'm laughing because. The thought, what I didn't say earlier, the thought that went through my head was the scene from, from, from Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I think, that it just is that big of a comedy that he's running up there. It's just part of the clown college. Yeah, yeah I got to think, but there was, it was after a game <clears throat> last year that he it was a bad defense. I think it was that maybe it was two years ago. My God, it all mushes together. There was a bad defensive effort, and Matt Nagy. It was the one time Matt Nagy kind yes. of went off. You remember that? And he was he was. I think it was last. Yeah, it was last year early in the year. His offense still sucked, but he was hanging it on the defense. Yes. I can't remember which game I, I, it is. I want to. I'm. <laughs> I wonder if that kind of scared him away for good from blasting his players. Like he did it once. It didn't feel good for him because he is like this inherently, you know, his core is positivity, which we know, and that angers everybody. <laughs> so, like, it, he did it once. It exhausted him. He, you know, took a lot of criticism because it was him ripping the defense. So I, I do wonder if that kind of traumatized Nagy a little bit to, like, never do that again. Well, he won't be there to do it after tomorrow's game because Chris Tabor will be your head coach. Wow. So do you have more? We have one more. I got one, one more. Uh, final... right, I got one more, <clears throat> and this is kind of getting old by now, but it really wasn't addressed much this week, and that was 
the Eddie Jackson um, addressing the his little feud with uh-huh. Lance Briggs. Briggs on over on NBC Sports Chicago was very critical of the lack of tackling prowess by Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson then tweeted out some some tackling numbers from Pro Football Focus in uh, about Lance Briggs later in his career with all the missed tackles he had had. Jackson took a lot of criticism for that, eventually took down the tweet, and then Eddie Jackson finally was asked about it. Here it is. I don't want to say too much of regret, you know, because I feel like, you know, it's football, you know, and for me, the type of player I am, I feel like you should never question my effort. You know, making a tackle, I know I have to make that tackle. You know, that's, that's, no, nobody go out there and want to miss a tackle. You know, you know, you have to get the guy on the ground. So, but when it comes to questioning effort and playing ability, when we all been here before, you know, we all, as players, we all know how it feels. You know, when you're going out there, you land on that, uh, land everything on the line, trying to be aggressive, you know, things like that is going to happen, but you just got to go out there and make your plays and, like I said, when it, when it, when the effort part gets the question, that's that's the part that I have to say something about. But you know, I, I could take direct criticism. I want Alabama. <laughs> Coach Saban is the biggest. You know, he he always you know coaches us on that. You got to learn how to take direct criticism. So it's not about that. It's just about the effort part. And you know, like I said, we just got to continue to to fight and push through and block all that stuff out. Yeah, there, I mean, there's no bigger indictment, Steve, than somebody, any of us, questioning one's effort. So I mean. Briggs was right, for sure. He's got to get better at tackling, but you could hear what he took exception to. Yeah, but I think it was a it was a straw man. Eddie Eddie Jackson built a straw man. I didn't interpret what what Lance said as questioning the effort. He questioned the execution. You have to make that tackle no matter what, and you have to make that tackle, and that's execution. That's making a decision to make that tackle, to take the best possible line. I, I didn't in, interpret that as effort at all. I think it would have, we'd, they have on that football after show made a point of whether guys are, they think they're trying or not, or whether there's effort. And they, I didn't interpret that at all. I think that was just. Well, mo- just, most guys will say, and, they, and I don't know, they, but they probably said something like this during that show, that tackling is effort. And want to like it's a it's a huge part it's inherently part of it so somehow that's what Eddie Jackson heard but more importantly Steve, all right well make, more make tackles you don't get good yeah what? yeah exactly more importantly I was gonna say um, yeah. good afternoon Mark and Steve from the six three zero Mark what are you going to be for Halloween Benjamin texting from Elmhurst what about you what about Steve uh, I mean Steve no, might Mark, be. you're the oh Mark and no, Steve Mark, Mark you're you're here we go. Yeah, Mark. What do you? No, Mark, I, what are I'm you going to be for Halloween? I'm out. I, I'm out. I'm out. Nothing. Yeah, I'm gonna, I got I'm nothing. I'm going to be quiet for Halloween. That's what I'm going to be. <laughs> You've done everybody a I'm going to be eating candy. All right. Uh, we need to take a break. We come back. Uh, so here's what's planned for the rest of the show. Saturday is Sucka Jeers. Uh, we're going to come back. I have a, a Chris Tabor question for Mark, and we'll we'll see if he can answer it. And then at the top of the hour, Sucka Jeers, I. I had a really rough week that I want some help with. It was uh, I need some some Saturday suckageers for group therapy, and I need to lay down on Dr. Grody's couch. And um, and can we do that? Can we? Can we? Can you have time for my therapy, Dr. Grody? I do. I do. I am looking forward to that conversation. All right, we will have that first. We'll. We have a Bears question coming up, and we'll see where that takes us. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
<laughs> Caesar. Caesar Perez. Very well played. We just become best friends. That was the only thing missing from that that mind-bogglingly out of place and stupid and uh, the kumbaya statement of historically pathetic Bears coach Matt Nagy after they got beat worse than they ever had in the Matt Nagy era last week at Tampa Bay. And I know I know one thing, last 24, 48 hours, we've never been close. This team's never been tighter. Yeah, they were so tight that all three phases screwed up the first chance they got and you allowed the <clears throat> arguably the best quarterback in NFL history to just have his way with you and you embarrassed yourselves and anyway so the news this week is the historically pathetic Matt Nagy will not be allowed on the field he's still in COVID protocol that's the news that broke today breaking news on the score is brought to you by DuckDuckGo protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo DuckDuckGo, privacy simplified. So, in Matt Nagy's place will be Chris Tabor, the special teams coach. Yet another special teams coach as a head coach, at least for one day. And I have the question, Mark Rohde. I'm yes. visiting a question that we asked earlier about Chris Tabor. How, how wide is this? How much of head coach does he get to head coach? How wide are his is his decision making ability? And we and then we sort of drilled down and said, it's fourth and one. Do you go for it? Or does the special teams coach call for the special teams? <laughs> and I and I wonder I don't know if there's an answer to this, but I'm gonna bring it up because sometimes when you go for it, you have no faith in your defense. You're making that offensive call based on the fact that your bad offense is better than your bad defense if you haven't stopped anybody. Or, now, we don't know what it'll play like, but I just wonder, we don't have any idea how that factors in, but it could factor in the way the defense is playing. Or, as you said... Or, the Bears are desperate to score points because the Bears don't score points. So no, they, they have to do that. everything possible to get them closer to scoring points. That that is the problem, and I'm sorry for now going into Alec. All you have to do is put the ball in the end zone, and you will score points. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I mean, came I'm having, in with Will Ferrell and yeah. Step Brothers, and now we're at Will Ferrell. I'm having Jeff trouble being me up. today. I was Grobber earlier, and now I'm Alex Trebek, Will Ferrell style. Yeah. They have to score points. I've never, ever, ever in this season or even last season been mad when the Bears went for it on fourth down. Now, the many times that they did bad plays to attempt to get that one yard, um, you know, hike it to, or spike it a couple to yards back, or excuse me, hike it a couple yards back and then attempt to get those yards that you just lost, that was not very smart. So I think Chris Tabor, yes, Chris Tabor will get to make those decisions because somebody has to. They, they can't, there's not enough time on an NFL field in that moment to huddle up and decide what you're going to do. It's, some of it does have to land on Chris Tabor. Will Chris Tabor be, be in on what's going on with the offensive play calling? I don't think so. I think that they probably said, look, Bill's got this. This is not your area of expertise. I think the same thing with defense in terms of Sean Desai. They're, they're not going to let Chris Tabor 
overrule decisions there. But when it comes down to the biggest decisions of the game, that has to be in, in Chris Tabor's hands. You know, we talked earlier about it was brought up about, you had Wani talking about it's such a big game because he could lose a locker room if the Bears lose this game. Right, and right. Olin, Olin Cruz not willing to go there, uh, although he's familiar with that feeling. He just didn't yes. put it, place it on this game. He knows it could happen, but like you said, more likely at you know three and eight as opposed to three and four. And a texter made a good point about that, Stevie, and that is that the you know maybe it's you lose this game and the schedule is just kind of a bitch for the rest of the way. Right. Well, it's it already has been. You started with 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 Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I mean, that's <laughs> so whatever. Even to win this, you still schedule still a bitch. So. Do you put where do you come down on this, or what do you think the importance is that much has been made of Bilal Nichols getting kicked out for responding? So that's another ejection, the third in less than two seasons for this team, for Matt Nagy's team, and and the fifth in his time, which is second only to Miami and having players ejected. So you talk about the Bears' culture. That would seem to point to Bears' culture sucking, Matt Nagy's culture sucking, Ted Phillips talking about the culture, and it sucks. The discipline sucks. Or not. Where do you think that figures into this discussion? Is it just an easy flashpoint, or does it matter more than than just something that would be shrugged off? No, I, I do think that like there are some things that you could put directly on a head coach, and that is – discipline and as you said culture and they have boasted about their culture forever and the no turds uh formation that they have tried to you know <laughs> i forgot about so, that. like they, i mean sure but, but they made a big deal about that and have made a big deal about it so yeah. when javon wims and anthony miller are punching guys and you had Akeem Hicks with multiple personal fouls last year. You had Kyle Long throwing a helmet at somebody in a practice at one point in time. Yeah, that goes back to the coach. And, yeah, there's nobody else who has to answer for that. I mean, obviously the individual players do. But if you're going to brag about culture and discipline, then when things are not disciplined and culture is not good, of course, 100%, that, that lands on the head coach. So it would be interesting to see if somebody does that tomorrow or if they're extremely well disciplined for the substitute teacher because i don't know if they look at it like a sub substitute teacher that's right? so funny they're, you say that because i thought about that too like like will they be more on their game like let's let's do it for tabes let's do it for matt Nagy, who's at home or is it oh okay <laughs> now i don't have to do this yeah. when i'm on the sideline now i don't have to stand yeah. here now i can go hang out with my guy over here yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't know what the mentality sure. is with players when the substitute coach is in, and and how special teams coaches have a have a reputation. I mean, Ditko is the most pronounced, sure, but special teams coaches have a reputation of that kind of brutal honesty. You're talking about how animated. Mm-hmm. Tabor, Tabor, yeah, he's very and, animated. And yes. we we know there's more that goes along with that. And there's a ferocity about that. And does that build respect or not? I don't know. It's a difference from player to player. But be interested to see how that plays out. But I keep thinking we're talking substitute teachers and we're talking about such a change. We have Matt Nagy's kumbaya to, to Chris Tabor. I just imagine him being a volcano. And I remember when the Blackhawks replaced Albo Suhonen 
with Brian Sutter. You can't even say Alpo's name without laughing. Can you? I, I can't. It's, it's as laughable as Jeremy Colleton. And and so Alpo Suhonen to, Jer- to Brian Sutter, or any of the Sutters, in this case it was Brian Sutter, yeah, yeah. and at that press conference they introduced Brian Sutter, Tony Amonti was there. Uh-huh. And we asked, what do you think? And he says, recess is over. <laughs> That's what he said. It, and it was, and it man. Was so, and it was so true. And they made the playoffs, and then they lost to Joel Quenville's Blues. They got shut off, shut out in three straight games. Was that the ABC line? So, Arneson, Bell, Calder? Was that what that was? That would come in later, oh. and then there would be the fight in Nashville and the punch. Oh, my God. Sutter, yeah. Sutter was a badass, yes. yeah. So... As long as we're here, as long as we're at the crossroads of this, I need to talk about the Hawks. Yes. I need to talk about the morally bankrupt Hawks. I need to talk about the cowards and the, the absolutely cold-hearted, the despicable and depraved environment that existed and exists and what it how it hit me this week. And I don't think I'm alone in this. I don't know. But I would ask you, Dr. Grody, to allow me to lay down on your couch. And I would ask our audience, our Saturday suckageers. Normally, we're givers, not takers. I need you to give me your thoughts on this when I'm done. As I sort of run through what happened. And we, I don't want to avoid this story. But this affected me. This is... This came off feeling more more personal, whether it should have or not, and I I was affected as a parent more than I I was surprised, and and not really as a you know an observer, a journalist, or, or anything like that as a professional. This was this was quite the jolt. So can I have some time on your couch, Doctor Grody? Oh yeah, man, I've been looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this just because. I was thinking about you because I know how much hockey has kind of meant to you throughout your life growing up and obviously having covered a ton of Blackhawks and one of the more knowledgeable, I'll say it, the most knowledgeable hockey person in this city. So to have had this tragedy occur, to have, yep, I'll use your words, moral bankruptcy occur with the Blackhawks and all the awful people involved, I, yeah, man, I... Like, you've been asking me a lot of Bears questions. I want to ask you a lot of questions about what went down. But you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm a listener, Steve, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you sit on the couch, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the, the morally bankrupt Blackhawks. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Grody, and thank you, audience, fellow suckageers. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with that. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.